Hello and welcome to another episode of the Burt's Books podcast. It is Monday the 24th of January and I have just finished reading A Fatal Crossing by Tom Hindle. And I say just, I pretty much finished it this morning, put the book down and have come straight here to record the podcast with a little break uh, on the way to do today's Wordle and I'm quite annoyed because I, I failed it and I've lost my streak. So I was up to 27 days in a row and I lost it today. So um, hopefully that isn't a sign of what's to come in this week. What is coming up this week? Well, it is getting towards the end of the month, so it is going to be officially bundle week as of today. So the bundles are going to start to be sent out. And of course, Shelf Life, there's a, there was a new episode last week with Sarah Bonner. And if you were listening to BBC Radio Wiltshire on Wednesday night, you would have heard the first of my short episodes, which featured Sarah Winman. That was available on Wednesday night. And of course, the whole episode is available to listen to by searching for Shelf Life uh, from Burt's Books, wherever you get your podcasts from. But that is enough of the admin I am going to tell you all about A Fatal Crossing on the other side of this music. It's very hard to know how to do spoiler-free reviews of some books, particularly mystery books or crime novels where the ending is so key to whether the book is any good or not. And yet, obviously, you don't want to ruin it for anyone who's going to read it because the whole point of these books is to try and work out the ending. So that is a bit of a dilemma that I've got today with A Fatal Crossing by Tom Hindle. I will will definitely do a spoiler-free review. I won't ruin the ending, but I will try and share my thoughts on this book as I go along, particularly the way that it ends. Let's see if I can do that. Uh, But before I do, let me read to you the blurb. November 1924. The Endeavour set sail from Southampton, carrying 2,000 passengers and crew on a week-long voyage to New York. When an elderly gentleman is found dead at the foot of a staircase, ship's officer Timothy Burke is ready to declare it a tragic accident. But James Temple, a strong-minded Scotland Yard inspector, is certain there is more to this misfortune than meets the eye. Birch agrees to investigate, and the trail quickly leads to the theft of a priceless painting. Its very existence is known only to its owner, and the dead man. With just days remaining until they reach New York, and even Temple's purpose on board the endeavour proving increasingly suspicious, Birch's search for the culprit is fraught with danger, and all the while, the passengers continue to roam the ship with a killer in their midst. On the back, there is a quote, and it's from M.W. Craven, and it says, With twist after gut-punching twist, a fatal crossing really is an ingenious thriller. Highly recommended. I don't know that I would say it has twist after twist after twist. Uh, I don't normally like to say the word twist because people get upset if they find out a book has a twist. Uh, To me, a twist is... I mean, there's there's twists in every book. A plot development is a twist. But I guess when we're talking about twists, we're talking just something completely unexpected out of the blue. 
There isn't a series of those in this book, I don't think. It is very much a mystery novel. On the front it says, there's a quote from Ragnar Jonasson, which says, Will delight Agatha Christie fans. I have a confession to make. I have read only, I think, one Agatha Christie book. Um, I've seen a couple of the plays, but I have only read the one book. It was obviously Murder on the Orient Express. And I... I enjoyed it, I liked it, I enjoyed the mystery, but the writing style for me wasn't, it, I couldn't get on with it. It was, it was too old-fashioned for me. So I can't say whether this will delight Agatha Christie fans or not, but it does very much fall into that kind of Agatha Christie-esque mystery, where there is a couple of detectives trying to solve a crime. In this instance, the crime is the death of uh, Monsieur Dupont, who is a French man who is an art dealer. And so the uh, other sort of mysteries that are going along around on this book are the mystery, mysterious disappearance of a very expensive, or potentially very expensive, painting. So we have Arthur Birch, not Arthur Birch, we have Arthur Blake, who is uh, a, an up-and-coming sort of art dealer, I guess, and he has a painting that he wants to sell, and it seems that Monsieur Dupont may have been involved in wanting to get his hands on it, and that is possibly how he came to his sticky end. But the important thing to note is that, as well as the death of Mr. Dupont, the painting has gone missing. So we then come across Birch, Timothy Birch. He is an officer on the Endeavour. There is a, a not a mystery, there is a uh, sort of tragic, I guess, backstory to him in that his daughter has gone missing and uh, has been missing for quite some time. So his sort of main preoccupation is trying to find his daughter and he's finally come back to work and his colleagues are avoiding him, he's become reclusive and they don't really know how to deal with him anymore and honestly that's sort of the way that he he likes it, he doesn't want to have to deal with people at the moment, he just wants to he wants to find his daughter and he's on his way to America, to New York because when he gets there he's going to meet up with his friend Raymond who he met during the, the First World War who is a uh, an American, he was an American GI and uh, Raymond saved his life and they've become friends and he seems to think he might be able to help him find his daughter and he's given him like a scrap of ribbon to say look this is what I've found so far and this ribbon is uh, the ribbon that his daughter always wore so and, and, and Birch is kind of always fingering this, this ribbon he's so preoccupied with it so when uh, Tim te uh, la, 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 la. so when Temple comes to the captain's office to um, find out, to, to demand that he be, sort of help him investigate this mysterious death. Uh, the captain just kind of fobs him off and says, look, Birch will go with you. Um, if you want to do it, then I'm, I must insist that Birch, one of my officers, is with you at all times. This doesn't please Temple, and he rushes off uh, Later, he kind of calms down a bit and he agrees that uh, Birch can help him investigate. So that's kind of our setup, is these two men going around and investigating 
the, the the crimes. We're then introduced to a small cast of characters amongst the 2,000 passengers and, and the crew, and we start to learn secrets, and we sort of start to get alibis, or we get things that aren't alibis, and it starts to become, you know, a good old-fashioned mystery. And I guess that's where sort of the Agatha Christie comparisons come in. That and the fact it's set sort of during the golden age of crime, that uh, it's it's very easy to compare to Christie. Like I said, it's not something I can really do, having not read an awful lot, but I enjoyed it. I read it and I could, you know, I got on with it. The writing isn't the style of the 20s. It was very accessible and I I enjoyed it. I kind of was racing through the pages each time I picked it up and I, but I couldn't help but remember the book that I read which was the Chocolate Box Mystery book. I think it was that one where one of the detectives points out that the whole point of a detective book is that often the author closes off sort of avenues of investigation to say uh, as if as if it was obvious that this couldn't be possible so that you can it pushes you down and that assumptions are kind of always made so let's take monsieur dupont for instance he is found dead at the bottom of some stairs has hit his head and it is deemed that he was facing away from the stairs when when he fell and so there's a lot of um well who was he talking to who pushed him uh, you know and could it have been an accident well no because he was facing away and i couldn't help but think well uh, and then there was lots of discussion of why wh- who approaches some stairs by walking backwards it was obviously a, a, an accident you know it's obviously a, a, he was pushed and I couldn't help but think, well, what if he was going up the stairs? What if he had reached the top of the stairs, slipped, because it was raining, on some, some of the rain, and then fell backwards? I, surely that would be possible. So it could have easily been deemed an accident, and then everyone could have moved on. I guess because of the point of it being a mystery, that was ignored, and it was very much decided that there was a, a, a mystery to be solved here. Was it a satisfying conclusion? I guess so. I I never, I mean, I didn't work out who had done it and how they had done it and when they had done it. I I don't approach mystery books in that way. I don't, I end up not trying to work them out. I don't sit there with like a pen and paper and and working out who, who did it. I often just go along for the ride. Was I surprised? No, I don't think I was. Which is, which is good because you should be surprised. Well, what's the way? I, there's somebody. Somebody said something once, and it was something about like you should be surprised but not enraged. So you, you know you should see it coming, but also it shouldn't be so obvious. And I guess it re- you know it fits nicely into those into those brackets the very end of the book is for me 
the way that... So the crime has been solved, but we're on a boat in the middle of the ocean and there is decisions to be made as to whether or not the, uh, the, uh, uh, the culprit is handed over to the police, what is to be done with the missing painting, and should, should Temple and Birch make these decisions, what should, what should they do about it now that they've solved it? And I'm not sure that the right decision is made. It kind of fills me with a little bit of... I don't know, there's something in my stomach that doesn't sit right with it. And I can't really tell you anything more than that. I think... Let's talk about Arthur Blake for a second. So he is the one whose painting has gone missing. And the more we get to know him, the more unlikable he is. And Birch specifically, because we see all of this from Birch's point of view, in the way that you know many classic detective stories do. There's the amazing, you know, detective who is sort of the main character, but we never see it from his point of view. We see it from the point of view of his assistant. And that and so Birch is increasingly uneasy about Blake because he doesn't seem to be a nice man. And he starts to wonder with, well, if we find your painting, should, you know, do I care that you have it back? Is justice served by Blake having this painting back? And I guess that is the dilemma at the end of this book. The crime has been solved, but has justice been served? And you need to be able to root for the characters, I think. And in some ways, justice is served. But there's one thing that I didn't like. And justice hasn't been served in that instance. And I think needs to be. And I suspect, possibly, could be. But, yeah, I think... If I, if I was the sort of person to mark books out of five, which I'm not, this could lose a star from me for the very end of the book. But until then, it was going very, very well. Will there be more books uh, featuring Birch and Temple? I don't know. Uh, I hope so. I enjoyed their partnership. Um, Tom Hindle is a very good writer a very good plotter, and I would be interested to see what else comes from him. I feel like it's written itself into a corner at the end, though, so I, I think this was a temporary partnership crossing the ocean, um, so I don't know that we will see more in this series. I was, as well, I've just remembered I was thinking about The Devil and the Dark Water whilst I was reading this book, which, if you've read it, or you haven't read it, rather, is a mystery set on a boat, um, but a, a good hundred years or so before. And I was wondering if it was going to be similar to that. And I think, in, in a couple of ways, it is. The ending, certainly, is... Uh, similar. It goes 
it goes somewhere you're not necessarily expecting it to and is more concerned with serving justice rather than retribution. And I... But I didn't get the same sort of level of seasickness. It felt like a much smoother ride. And I guess 100 years later on a big cruise liner versus a rickety wooden old ship, I guess that makes sense. Um, But, yeah, it didn't quite live up to The Devil in the Dark Water for me. I guess that's a really easy comparison to make. Um, And Stuart Turton is obviously an excellent writer. But this is a great debut from Tom Hindle, and I will definitely be looking out for more from him. Well, I think I just about got away with that without going into too many spoilers. I would be super, super interested. If you have read this book, I really want to know your thoughts on it. Uh, you can email me, bert at bertsbooks.co.uk, or you can find me on Twitter, at bertsbooks. I also think, and nobody's really ever done it, there is a way to respond to this podcast directly by recording a voice note. Uh, there might be a little button for you to press somewhere on your podcast Uh, browser I guess is the right word so if there is do that press that button and let me know what you think that is everything for this episode Um, I should tell you that A Fatal Crossing by Tom Hindle is available right now in hardback and you can order it at burtsbooks.co.uk so do go ahead and do that and then get in contact that is everything like I said for this episode so all that is left is for me for me to ask you to rate review and subscribe to the podcast and that way you will never miss an episode and I am now going to go and head off to work get to the office and start packing up books ready for you lot to read and tell me about over the coming week keep reading <laughs>